AviationPros.com is the portal website for AMT, airport business, and ground support worldwide magazines. Visit daily for breaking news, industry blogs, and insightful articles from our magazine's editorial team. And don't forget to sign up for our publication's daily e-newsletters. It's all at AviationPros.com. Hello and welcome to the Aviation Pros Podcast. I'm Christina Marsh, Editor of Airport Business, and today I'm in Salt Lake City, sitting down with Bill Wyatt, Executive Director of Airports for Salt Lake City, to talk about the new SLC. The airport broke ground in 2014, but has been planning the development of a new airport, a project called the new SLC, since the 90s. Bill, can you tell me what the need was for the new airport and what the impact this will have on airport operations, travelers, and even the community? I think one of the really interesting things about most U.S. airports in the United States today is they're 60, 70, some cases 80 years old. Uh, and such was the case here in Salt Lake City. And so finally the city uh, determined, it, really in the 90s, this was preceding the 2002 Olympics, that a new airport was needed. And the idea at the time was, we'll start right after the Olympics, uh, not appreciating the events of 9-11 and what that would mean to commercial aviation. So the plan was in place, uh, but unfortunately, uh, the circumstances just didn't warrant uh, construction at that time. So the next milestone was 2008, and then the Great Recession hit. Uh, and finally, things really began in earnest uh, in you know, 2010, 2011, in that period, uh, during which time they selected uh, an architect, HOK, out of uh, San Francisco, uh, and then the construction firms, which in our case are uh, a combination of national and local uh, joint ventures. Uh, big D, which is a big uh, construction firm here in Salt Lake and very familiar with the local community. Holder out of Atlanta, which has done a lot of airport work uh, around the country. And they have a joint venture, which has been with us uh, from the beginning. And then for another part of the airport, we used um, Austin Construction out of Texas. They've done a lot of airport work. Uh, and Oakland Brothers here in Salt Lake. And the idea was someone who was really familiar with big scale airport work and then have a, a partner who really knew the community and the local trades and so forth. And it's worked uh, very much to our advantage. And the need here was pretty obvious. We were overflowing. Uh, you know, people, men and women, would stand in line uh, to you know, wait for the bathrooms to open up. Uh, not enough concession space, not enough gates. The gates that we had were, in many cases, built for aircraft that are no longer uh, flying commercially, at least. And so the decision was to build a modern, new 21st century hub airport. So there are four phases to this project. What does each phase consist of and where are we currently at? Well, we do have four phases for the project. And the first is really the most significant because it includes all of the actual terminal facilities, check-in, uh, baggage, uh, et cetera, and also all of the landside facilities, so all the parking, rental cars, uh, and all of that opened in September of 2020. So middle of COVID, uh, kind of an odd time to be uh, building a new airport, but it is what it is, and we made it uh, work, and it's been very successful. Phase two 
uh, we've just completed, and that is the end of the A concourse, which opened uh, entirely in the fall of this year. Uh, and then we have phase three ahead of us. And phase three has a couple of interesting things uh, about it that I think people would find interesting, which is the, the uh, design of the airport here is two uh, fairly long parallel concourses. The old airport, I like to tell people, looked like this, like the palm of my hand, uh, and had these uh, pincer sort of concourses moving out. Uh, great for a small town airport, which is what it was back when it was built, not great for a hub airport. It, it really restricted the movement of aircraft, and the parallel design here is really terrific uh, for the movement of aircraft. But in order to get access to Concourse B, uh, the airport decided back in 2008 um, to build a tunnel, which at the time was kind of in the middle of nowhere, knowing that doing that during construction would virtually close the airport. So the tunnel was constructed, uh, buried, and then bundled up and covered, uh, and waiting for the construction of the airport to connect these two concourses. So uh, all of that opened when the central tunnel, or rather when the central part of the airport opened. Uh, and um, the idea always was to build a central connecting tunnel that would be right off of security to go out to Concourse B. Now you actually have to walk anywhere from a quarter to a half mile out of your way to get there, but if we hadn't done that, we wouldn't have been able to build the new airport. So really visionary, I think, on the part of the uh, staff at the time to do that. So phase three is the opening of the central tunnel and the gates and the connecting infrastructure right on the other side of uh, from Concourse A to Concourse uh, B. So very exciting. It'll, it'll really change the passenger experience a lot. Uh, and we've got some surprises uh, in Concourse B that I think people will, uh, will like. Uh, we do have currently uh, a Delta Sky Club here, which has about 30,000 square feet. The old Sky Club was 11,000 square feet, so it is substantially larger, still um, a little um, uh, undersized, I, I think everybody would conclude. So they're gonna build one of similar scale and size in the B concourse. So when that opens, we'll have 60,000 square feet of uh, Sky Club. And of course, we are a Delta hub, so that's very important for them and for their connecting passengers and local uh, as well. So we're excited for that. When that is complete, we have phase four, and phase four was not part of the original program. The idea for phase four was at some future date, uh, as traffic warranted, we would add up to 16 gates. And as you know, the commercial aviation business came out of COVID, a couple of things were clear. Airports like Salt Lake did reasonably well and came back faster uh, in, in terms of traffic and activity. And largely that's because we live in a space here where People want to come, they want to ski, go out to the national parks. Uh, nobody was going to Disneyland, but people wanted to get out and about and feel reasonably safe about it. And so we saw our traffic return very quickly. And we went initially to Delta, then to the other carriers and said, how do you feel about this uh, next 16-gate expansion? And they all said, let's go for it now. So what that means is that Salt Lake is gonna go from an airport that had 52 jet bridges to one that has 94 
in the space of seven years. Uh, pretty remarkable. Conversation we had earlier, I understand that one of the goals for the new SLC was to create a sense of place for travelers coming to Utah. Can you tell us about some of those design elements that achieved that goal? One of the things the city did very early on that I think was <clears throat> just visionary was ask people here in Utah, what do you want to see in new airport? And of course, uh, you got a lot of uh, what you'd expect. We want to be able to plug in our devices and we want plenty of um, space in the bathroom and so on and so forth. But a constant theme came up, which is we want people to know where they are, even if they're not leaving the airport. And so the colors, the textures, the art all reflects that. Um, and as you come into the airport terminal building, you'll see art that has been integrated into the architecture of the airport that reflects this place, the slot canyons, the, the light, which is really uh, quite remarkable. The central tunnel has a theme that we call the river tunnel. Uh, very interesting. Uh, and the idea, to be blunt, is to help distract people a little as they're moving this quarter mile from the uh, A concourse to the B concourse. But fins will come down, they'll be blue, um, we have a really interesting musical program that uh, has been curated by the artists that the airport has um, hired. There are moving walkways for people who need them. There will also be carts. But the idea, obviously, is we're transporting people uh, both uh, physically but also uh, in, a, in effect. Uh, we're transporting them to Utah, whether you know they walk out the front door of the airport or not. And as they rise up into the B concourse, uh, the first thing they will see is something everyone here in Salt Lake knows as the world map. This has been a feature that was in the original airport and in the old terminal of the old airport. And as a relative newcomer to Utah, I had no appreciation for it until uh, you know, I was out and about in the community and people would say, oh, you're the airport guy. What are you gonna do about the world map? Uh, and once we closed uh, the old airport, um, we did some work and determined that we were able to save it. Uh, it'll be placed in the old, or in the Concourse B in the central area, which we're very excited about. Uh, and as you come up the uh, escalator and see the world map, you also see that the, the Slot Canyon experience has been continued to the B Concourse. Uh, and we're really excited about the ability to do that because most places just don't have that opportunity. You know, they've been built incrementally over uh, seven or eight decades <clears throat> and tastes and interests have changed over that time. And so you see the old, the new, uh, and the weird in many cases. And here it's all been a part of the airport. And so I think asking people what they wanted to see in a new airport uh, was really visionary because it allowed us to, uh, to proceed with that understanding and I think it's been really well reflected here. So since phase two has been open, what has some of the feedback been like from travelers and even employees? You know, it's been very positive. Employees, I think, really like having the additional concessions and I think most people may not really think about this, but um, Employees eat at these concessions. That's where they go have lunch or breakfast or whatever it happens to be. And so just adding uh, a wider range of opportunity has been great. 
And I think we've been open long enough now for some of the national organizations, people like J.D. Power and Travel and Leisure Magazine, who do um, passenger surveys, um, our, our ranking has continued to move up. Uh, we also um, <clears throat> communicate with people through our website. So about every third person, I think, who logs into the website is given an opportunity uh, to do a, a survey. It's a feedback survey. And we've seen just constant improvement. And you know, the average passenger probably doesn't appreciate the fact that we're still building this. And so we're not done. Uh, and as each phase uh, completes, um, we see the passenger reaction really uh, taking off. And, and I think people who come here and maybe are connecting or they're coming here from some other place to ski or to national parks um, are really impressed because likely they're coming from an airport that's 50, 60, 70, 80 years old and just doesn't have the same look, feel, and appearance. And I, I would say also um, something we're very proud of uh, the Salt Lake Tribune, which is our uh, one of our local uh, newspapers, named the airport as Utah of the Year uh, for 2023. And it's uh, exciting for two reasons. One, the airport is not a person, which is normally uh, the case. But also, uh, it's really, I think it makes us all very proud because uh, this is a, uh, a recognition given to us by people who live here, who experience the airport, just a very positive piece of work. So building an airport is no small task. Can you talk about some of the behind-the-scenes decisions that need to be made to not only meet the current demand of travelers, but also planning for the future? You know, building an airport, a, a brand new airport really, which is what we've done here, is a huge enterprise. And I think um, one way to think about this is that airports are really small cities. Uh, we. I think since opening, we probably will have accommodated somewhere between 70 and 80 million passengers. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a regular day here, we may have anywhere between 50 and 75,000 people traveling in through and around uh, the airport. And so it takes a lot of planning to um, <clears throat> imagine all of that. You have to do a lot of survey work, a lot of technical work. Uh, you have to forecast, and the forecast is largely based on, you know, the growth of your community, what's happening, um, uh, how are the airlines doing, what are they thinking, and then you have to engage um, everybody in the city, as it were, because everybody helps to pay for uh, all of this. And um, we always like to say at the airport, the hip bone is connected to the thigh bone. And so you can't really do any kind of major construction at an airport without looking 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road and making sure that you're not making choices that in 10 years you're really gonna regret. Uh, and so there's a lot of enabling work that has to be done, infrastructure that has to be moved, pipelines, electrical lines, uh, fiber and so on and so forth. And so all of that has to fit very nicely. And really what it comes down to is having the right team in place and the right people in place. And we've been very fortunate here. The airport decided, the city decided some time ago that rather than <clears throat> try to do all of this with just existing airport staff, they would bring in a team of private professionals, uh, the project management team, 
uh, who actually report to me as airport director, but they're the pros. Uh, and so it's been fantastic. These are people who've done this kind of work for their entire lives all over the world, have been living here for the last 10 years and will have been here for 12 to 14 years by the time everything is done. Uh, and they help us uh, work with the contractors, you know, over the course of the last 14 years. Things have changed in this business. How do we adapt to that? Uh, and so, uh, really, I think it is about having the right people in the right place and taking the time that is necessary to thoughtfully uh, look at what you're doing and making sure that it's something that isn't going to be outdated by the time you open the front doors. And I think we've been very successful at that so far. Um, it has to make financial sense. Um, this is a five plus billion dollar project. Um, we're doing that by largely, not entirely, debt financing. And so that means going back to New York and convincing the people who issue this debt, uh, that, or we issue the debt, but the people who are gonna buy it, uh, that we have something worth investing here. We've been incredibly fortunate to uh, have issued debt at very competitive rates, and that's another indication that we have that uh, people outside of Salt Lake are looking at this project and seeing that we're doing this in a very thoughtful way. As this is an ever-changing industry, how is SLC keeping up with current and future trends? Electrification, we are electrifying, electrifying the airport campus right now. So uh, we've ordered three um, shuttle buses, like all airports, we operate a large shuttle fleet. This will give us the opportunity to figure out routes and where we need charging and so on and so forth. All of the um, equipment operated on the surface by the airlines here is electric. And so we have charging stations all throughout the airport, which is an important part of our sustainability mission um, as well. So electrification at airports is gonna continue uh, being able to manage that is a challenge. And so in the future, um, one of the things that we'll be doing here is building our own substation, which will give us a lot of um, power in the marketplace, if you will, literally and figuratively, uh, and it will allow us to adapt to those increasing requirements. Hertz, one of our tenants, just bought 100,000 Teslas. Well, we're not in a position today to charge all of those uh, on campus. It'll have to be done outside. So um, that is something that we see um, coming our way. Uh, you know, data, technology, huge parts of airports. We have 4,000 security cameras. They're very high resolution. The bandwidth required for all of that is immense. And so making sure that you have pathways uh, to accommodate all the fiber, for example, is critically important and pathways to grow. Uh, in our case, once we have completed these four phases, uh, you know, the phase five, the phase six, can happen pretty seamlessly without passengers even knowing that it's happening. And that is as a result of flexibility that was really built into the design. And I think that's the key word when you think about airports and, and the future is um, build flexibility in because none of us really knows exactly where things are headed. Uh, vertical transportation, that's certainly coming our way. But um, if you build a flexible design, you'll be able to accommodate those changes. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about the exciting projects happening at SLC, 
Be sure to check out the article, What It Takes to Build a Small City, in the January-February issue of Airport Business and online at aviationpros.com. Stay up to date on industry news, current issues, and information specifically for airports, airport operations, FBOs, and airport-based business by subscribing to Airport Business Daily Newsletter.